All right, good morning, guys. My name is Steve. I am the lead pastor here at Trailhead, and uh, we are continuing our series through the book of Acts. So grab your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible with you, go ahead and grab one off the floor. There should be some uh, on the chairs or under the chairs around you. And uh, in, in our Bibles, you're going to page 909. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 again. This is where we've been sitting for the last four weeks. Um, but we're really going to zero in on a single verse this morning as we dig in. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 1, <clears throat> starting in verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you had heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when the Lord had so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. All right, you guys. Um, <clears throat> we have spent four weeks in this passage, and, and this morning we're going to be focusing specifically on verse 8, but again, I want to just go back and give us the context because um, what we've done is, is really just started with a very, very big picture view, and now we're getting narrower and narrower, and this morning we're going to be focusing on, on a single verse that is very informative to who we are as a church and as a people. In the first week of the series, we took a look at really the true story of history, right? We, we took a look at the one story of the Bible, right? We took a look at the fact that, that even though the Bible is this incredible book, it took around 2,000 years to write, around 40 authors, it's 66 books, three different languages. Um, incredibly, it tells a single story, right? A single story. And that single story is a compelling story that makes sense of our story. It's a single story that makes sense of the chaos and the goodness of the desires and the conflicts of our own hearts. We've unpacked that, right? So, so we're not going to go back and re-unpack that, but I want to remind you of, of, of the storyline of the Bible, right? The storyline of this story, because we need to get the big picture to understand how we fit in in our part, right? So we took a look at the fact that we were created, right, by God in his image to be stewards of creation. We were designed to um, be relational beings, even as God is relational, productive beings, even as God is productive, creative, engaging. Um, and there was in creation a glorious hum, right? There was a shalom, a peace, a balance, a flourishing to all of creation. Uh, and that's the way things were meant to be. Um, but the next chapter of the story was, of course, mankind's rebellion against God, in which mankind looked at God and said, we will not tune ourselves to your glory. 
we will tune ourselves to ourselves, right? We're not going to look to you to define right and wrong. We're going to look to ourselves. We're not going to look to you to, to, to lead us what is good. We're going to decide for ourselves. We will do what is right in our own eyes. And, and of course, that destroyed the glorious helm of shalom and all of creation, uh, plunged it into this cacophony of sin, this, this, this disharmony in which every relationship is disruptive. Every relationship now is no longer marked by peace, but by conflict, right? But God didn't leave us there. Even though we rebelled against him, he made a promise right there in Genesis 3 and continued to reiterate that promise throughout the Old Testament. And that promise was this, that he would redeem and restore, that he would not leave us in our rebellion to the consequences of our choices. He would instead step into our story and by stepping in, redeem our story. And of course, that leads to the next chapter of the story when Jesus comes and he lives the life we should have lived and died the death we deserve to die and rose again a new life that, that our sin and shame might be removed, right? Our guilt is no longer ours. Christ died for it. He paid the price for it. It was left on the cross. When we believe in him, we are covered with his righteousness, right? The risen Christ rose again, not just for himself, but for us. And when we see that God entered into our story to redeem our story and we have faith in him, it allows us to enter into that redemptive flow, right? We're no longer marked by what we've done. We're marked by what he did. We're no longer marked by our shame and our failure. We're marked by his success and his love. And that leads to the next chapter of the story, which is this chapter of sending, right? And that's what the book of Acts is about, right? It's about this season in which we now live in which Jesus basically has already won the battle, but he hasn't completely established the kingdom, we live in the already not yet tension of it already being won, but not yet realized. The overlap of the ages in which the age that was is dying away and the age that is coming is just dawning. And so we live for the age that's coming, even though we live with the consequences of the age that was, right? And so we live in this age in which we are sent with a message. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 1. And that message is that there will be a restoration, that God once again will restore shalom to the entire created order, that there will once again be a glorious hum to creation in which God's glory is the center and we get to live in the overflow and the outpouring of his good. During this age, though, we live in the age of mission. And when we understand that, when we understand that that's, that's why we're still here, right? That's why Jesus left and didn't bring the kingdom in immediately, there was a purpose for this season. We understand there's a purpose for this age. We understand there's also a purpose for our lives, right? Jesus left a commission with his disciples. He said to them, as you are going, be disciples who make disciples, right? Go deep in your faith in me. Learn what it means to be transformed by my love and then share that love with others in such a way that they come to love me as well. They come to believe in me and then they'll be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They also will have a new identity being marked out and given a new name by God. What that means is, is that we are artists and we are engineers and we are skilled laborers and we are students and we are salespeople and we are executives and we are people just living life but we're living life with an intentionality. We're living life with a purpose, right? When we understand the movement of the story, we understand the movement of our lives while we are going, while we are living our lives, 
discovering our gifts, unpacking our potential, exploring what it means to be men and women created in the image of God and exploring the beauty of that. While we are going, we are on mission. We have been entrusted a message and we are to be faithful messengers. Now we looked last week at the power of that message, that it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That at this stage of the story, there's a new way of relating to God, right? Previously, the Holy Spirit would come and anoint kings and, and empower people. Um, and he was always present, but his anointing and his presence, like that special empowering would come and go. In this season, though, we're actually baptized into the Spirit of God. As believers, we're actually indwelt by the Spirit of God, and the shalom of God takes its root once again in our heart, never to leave again, because it's actually secured in the resurrection of Christ. And so we learn what it means to walk in dependence on the Spirit, even as we learn what it means to walk out on mission. All right, this week, we're going to take a look at where this mission is meant to be lived out. And in doing so, what I want to do is help you understand what I mean when we talk about Trailhead being a missional church. Um, Trailhead has some unique DNA, and I want you to see why. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is the verse we're going to focus on. I want you to see this. Jesus, when he's speaking to his disciples, gives them the scope of their mission. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Talked about that last week, right? Spirit comes and baptizes us and then sends us. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they are. Their local neighborhood in Judea and Samaria. Those are the surrounding regions and to the ends of the earth. He identifies three concentric circles of influence and ministry. You will be on mission to Jerusalem locally, Judea and Samaria regionally, and to the ends of the earth internationally, which was a radical thought for them at the time. Um, Trailhead's mission statement says this, that we are a community walking in Christ as a community on mission. And we're going to take some time this morning to unpack how we're living that out. Because I think some of you um, have heard bits and pieces of this. Um, some of you haven't. And I want to give you a clear vision of, of, of why we do what we do and, and how we're trying to live out this mission that has been entrusted to us, because it really is at the heart of who we are. Um, we're going to be dealing with these concentric circles in reverse order this morning, um, partly because um, we're going to try to do something that is, is technologically uh, risky, and it may go bad, so I just ask for your grace in advance. Um, but we're going to try to Skype in um, JB and Abby Wendell. Um, they are our, uh, we're supporting them. They are, they are trailheaders. They are us, and they are living in East Asia, and they have been there for about a year and a half, I guess. Um, and uh, they've been um, basically on mission internationally, and, uh, and so um, they're all the way on the other side of the globe. And, and to protect their time between the two services, because it's the middle of the night for them, um, we're going to try to start this, uh, get them in at the beginning. So here's what I want you to catch. It's pretty incredible, but our church is four and a half years old. And um, we have invested in mission. Um, and a lot of this you don't necessarily see, but, but we, were, we were partners with a, a church planning team in Kyrgyzstan. Uh, a team that was on the ground, building relationships, sharing the gospel with people who had never heard of Jesus. And, um, and, and really, not only that, but serving the community. They were a community improvement 
um, team, and, and they, were, they were doing all kinds of health clinics and, and basically just showing the love of Christ in very practical ways, but also in, in very profound word, word ways as they were simply sharing the beauty. Now, they ended up getting kicked out of their, their village, um, but those seeds were planted, and that team continues to work in Kyrgyzstan in a different area. It's really hard, you guys, to be involved, obviously, in missions so far away. If it weren't for people that wanted to, to lay down their lives in this way, we would have a difficult time reaching them, right? I mean, we can't go there, right? We, we can obviously Skype with people there, but we can't make our physical presence there unless people are willing to go. Uh, but we can pray for them, and we can support them financially, which we do. That's, that's part of what your giving goes to, is, is supporting um, people like JB and Abby. And, and we can also send more people. Um, I want to remind you, we're, we're sending out um, Mike and Carrie Carr. Uh, I've had them up here. We've talked about them. I've given them the platform to help them raise a little bit of money. They just had their baby, um, and, and they're going uh, to go for two years um, and be on that team. And so as we partner with them, we, we help by, by praying and sending and supporting. And, um, and I want you guys to be engaged in that, right? I mean, it really is uh, a great privilege to partner with, with these guys. All right. So we are involved in international mission to the ends of the earth, right? That is literally to the ends of the earth. That is, they are right now sitting on the other side of the globe, um, talking to us. And I'm over here texting him as we're talking. And, um, and and it's pretty crazy that we get to talk with them. But I also want to let you know, we're involved in regional mission. Um, and I want you to kind of get an idea of what that means, right? Jesus said, go to, to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria regionally and to the ends of the earth. Judea and Samaria for us um, obviously looks a little bit different than it did for them, uh, but it means taking the gospel out into other communities, communities where we don't personally live, um, but there are people there, right? So we can send people out into these regions, and, and we can have a limited amount of, of personal presence in those areas because we can commute, we can travel, we, we know those communities, um, but the way that we do that is, is really through church planting, and it's one of the reasons that we are passionate about church planting. Sometimes people will ask me, see, why, why are you guys so, why do you talk so much about church planting? Why, why is that, you know, that phrase that it's, it's in our DNA, right? We, we're a church planting church that was sent out by church planting church. Why is that so important? Because um, this is our way of engaging regional mission. This is part of what God has entrusted to us is, is to not just um, think about here and, and very, very far away, but to think about those spaces in between, now, we partner with two different um, networks to help us in our church planting mission. And, and so when you ask, you know, hey, what denomination is Trailhead? That's kind of a hard question to ask because we, we weren't planted out of a denomination. We're, we, don't, we don't run with a denominational affiliation, but we do join hands with these networks because they are passionate about church planting. And they come alongside us and they aid us and they equip us with our vision. Acts 29 um, is, is a, a brotherhood of like-minded church planters that are seeking to, to be churches who plant churches, right? In fact, that's the tagline, churches planting churches. Um, we were planted from an Acts 29 church and, and we are an Acts 29 church. Converge Mid-America has been a great partner um, in, in our ability to plant our church. Uh, many of you know, they're the ones that loaned us our money for our building. And um, they're the ones that have given me a lot of my, my coaching in the church planting journey. 
Uh, and they're also the ones that have empowered me and equipped me to have a lot of regional influence in church planting. They've opened the door and, and um, empowered me to be the regional director for church planting for, um, for Missouri and, and Southern Illinois. And as a result of that, um, we have had, and by we, I mean all of us, right? I mean, I'm doing a lot of the work, but, but you're part of that. You empower me to do that and, and your prayers support me and, and others in it. Uh, but here's the thing, we've had a hand in coaching or financially supporting around a dozen other churches over the last four and a half years and have had a direct impact on, on a handful of churches, right? Um, churches where, where I know these pastors personally, I walk with them, I coach them, um, I, 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 we send money to them, we resource them, we are, we are in a sense in the trenches with them, making an impact in their neighborhoods, not just ours. Right? We're, we're, we're moving out through this regional influence to impact neighborhoods and to impact communities. See, I'm, I'm just absolutely convinced. If you want to impact a community for good, plant a local church in that community. Right? You, want to, you want to address issues of, of, of poverty, social injustice, suffering, broken families, um, local community hurt. How do you do that? You plant a community of people that are in the flow of God's redeeming and, and, and restoring work of the gospel. You, you plant people in that community who are going to love people in that community in, in practical ways, in the name and in the word that comes from the gospel, right? And, and so as we plant and, and partner with these church planters, we are impacting these communities for good. Um, beyond that, we have invested very specifically in a couple church plants. Um, Corey and Andrea Johnston, very close to my heart, they did, um, he was, he was my, my first church planting resident. Many of you met him. Many of you were here when we sent him out. He spent two years here at Trailhead and did pretty much anything I asked him to do. Uh, he came to me and basically said, I want to plant a church. I don't know how. I said, I'm not sure I know how to coach you, but if you show up, I'll make all my mistakes on you. And he said, okay. Um, and so we kind of just made a lot of mistakes together and kind of figured this thing out. And, and by God's grace, um, we, have a, we have an incredible relationship. I love this guy. I love his family. They planted Heights Church down in Collinsville. We sent them out about a year and a half ago. And um, uh, have a great privilege of continuing to walk very, very closely um, with these guys. We are partners in their church planting journey. We consider them a daughter church, um, and that means that we are very, very connected um, to them. Um, we're not done sending out churches. We're not done being involved in, in church planting. Corey and I are working right now um, cooperatively with a church planter. Many of you know Chad Stuhlmeyer. He's, he's had a, a dream of planting a church in Mount, in, in, in Mount Vernon, um, his hometown. And so we're, we're working with him, and, and Lord willing, we're hoping to potentially jointly send him out and, and um, plant a church together. There are others that, you know, Vince Hall, who's planting a church in the central west end. There's a, there's a whole list of guys that I'm working with. Um, obviously, Aaron and Joni are, are on the top of the list. Aaron and Joni have been with us for the last year. They, they moved here last May and, and have basically done the same path of, of, of um, Corey. Uh, Corey roughed out some of the smooth, smoothed out some of the rough edges, um, not all of them. So, so he's my next guinea pig through this um, church planting residency thing. But they're in the process of moving toward planting their church in, in Troy. Um, and they're, they're planning on launching um, next uh, fall. And, uh, and he put together a really, really cool uh, church planting video. I should say he asked Josh to put together a really, really cool um, 
church planning video. And so uh, let's just start, let's put it up there. Hi, we're the Parks family. I'm Aaron. I'm Joni. I'm Anna. I'm Ryan. I'm Matthew. We want to tell you about the Metro East Initiative starting a new church here in Troy, Illinois. A church is not just a building. Most people, when they hear the word church, they think of going to church. But when Jesus used the word church, he wasn't talking about a place. He was talking about people. And and he wasn't just talking about some random group of people. The word church means a group of people on a mission. A church is people on a mission. Jesus gave the church its mission. He told the church to go and to make disciples. Making disciples means leading people to follow Jesus. People who don't believe in him, discipling them to become believers. And people who do believe, discipling them to grow in their faith and to go out on mission and share Christ with others. This is why we believe God's called us to start a new church in Troy, Illinois. A church that will make disciples. Troy has around 10,000 people. And over half of them are not affiliated with any church at all. In the St. Louis Metro East region, there's over half a million people who have no connection to a church that teaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a big mission. It's bigger than any of us. That's why we want to do more than just start a new church. We want to start a church that will start another church, that will start more churches throughout the Metro East because we want to see people be made disciples of Jesus Christ. We, we are so excited about what God's going to be doing in the Metro East, and we want to invite you to have a part in that. Let me tell you a couple of different ways that you can be a part of what's going to be happening. First of all, we'd like to invite you to pray. Pray that God would give us favor with the people of Troy. Pray that the Holy Spirit would work in the hearts of the people there and open them up to hearing the gospel and lead them to believing in Jesus. We also would ask that you consider partnering with us financially. You can give to the Metro East Initiative so that we can use those funds to start a church that will make disciples. It's going to take a lot of people partnering together to be able to fund this new church. And if you're interested in helping out, you can go to our website, metroeastinitiative.org, and click on Give, and you can see the information there for how you can do that. And then we'd like to invite you to join with us. We believe that God has equipped every Christian to be a part of the mission, that he's given every believer gifts that they can use to help build his church. Would you consider using your gifts to help us reach the people of Troy? If you're interested in being part of a new church that will make disciples of Jesus Christ, please go to the website and click on contact. Let us know and I'd love to talk to you about how you can be a part of what we're going to be doing. I have a lot of people um, ask me really about our passion for church planting. Steve, aren't you worried about Trailhead? Right? I mean, aren't you worried that that if you keep sending people out, um, you're going to just shrivel up, right? Um, What happens when you keep sending out your brightest and your best? What happens when you take those people with great passion and you keep sending them? Here's the thing, you guys. I am absolutely convinced that you simply cannot go wrong with generosity. The age that is dying is driven by an economy of scarcity. 
The age that is dawning and coming in is driven by an economy of grace that manifests itself in generosity. You simply can't outgive God. And we unleash the power of grace when we release our, our hold on things and, and say, it is not mine, it's God's, right? This is his redemptive flow. This is his story. And at the end of the day, um, we, don't, we don't measure our success by our seating capacity. We, we, we measure our success by our sending capacity, right? When we keep true to the mission that's in front of us, honestly, I believe that it protects our hearts in beautiful ways and keeps us from chasing down shadow visions, right? That, that ultimately end in self-glory and, 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 and dead ends spiritually. I think this is critical, for the culture and nature of our church that we continue to give because it shapes our hearts and it frees us. And it's hard and it's painful. And I've had even my own leaders come up to me and like, Steve, seriously, again? Yes, again. Well, do you know that so-and-so is going with them? I do. That hurts. <laughs> We've had those conversations. Um, but here's the thing. If the Spirit of God is moving someone, who am I to get in the way? If the Spirit of God is sending someone, who am I to say no? The Lord is the one that raises up the, the resources necessary to equip the kingdom to move forward. So here's the thing, you guys. We're going to continue in this flow. I want it to be who we are, a people shaped by grace, moving in gratitude, and relating to others in generosity. I want this to be the heartbeat of Trailhead Church. And that's why we need to stay active in regional church planning, but it's also why we need to move to the next level, which is local, right? Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right? Which means that it's not just about us equipping and sending. It's about us living out our identity as those who have been sent. It's about us carrying the gospel deeply in our hearts and moving out in the power of the gospel, right? It's, it's where the, the mission meets the road, right? In our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our cul-de-sacs, in our workplaces, in our dorms. Our mission is we are a church walking in Christ as a community on mission. And this is simple, really, when you think about it. Jesus said, as you are going, be my witnesses, as you're living out your life, as you're discovering your gifts, as you're, you're making your decisions and, and building your families and building your career and making your choices, right? Missionaries are not these special people who go to East Asia or plant churches. They're anybody who follows Christ because we've all been called as we are going to be drunk with the grace of God and inviting others to the party, right? To love people in word, and indeed, right? Not just to show them the love of Christ, but to tell them of the love of Christ. I want to make one point with this. If we're going to talk about being witnesses, there is no way to be a witness of the gospel without words. There's a popular idea floating around today that simply says, I can show the love of Christ without ever actually talking about it because the gospel is love. The heart of the gospel is love, but that love is communicated in a message. And that message is about a God who is on mission to redeem and restore, right? To say that you can share the gospel without words um, is actually pretty ludicrous, right? Imagine having an unlimited supply of gas, but it comes from an ugly building, an unpopular part of town. And when you first discovered it, you tried to go tell others, hey, we have this unlimited supply of power, right? but you were made fun of. You were called names. People looked down on you culturally. 
And as a result, you grew shy. So people kept running out of gas and you would carry some with you to share it and you would help put a little bit of gas in people's tank and you would smile and, and, and then you would leave. But you never told them about the station. <laughs> you made all kinds of excuses in the process, right? All kinds of self-justification, but really what it comes down to is there was shame in your heart. You didn't want to be identified with the one who had been rejected. You didn't want to bear the shame of the man of sorrows. You guys, that's not love. That's cowardice. And it's selfishness. And it's self-glory in the disguise of humility. There is no mission without the message. Walking on mission means um, sharing the story of the God who's on mission. Not just being a manifestation of his love, but being the messenger of his love so that others can also believe and drink deeply of the grace from which you drink. There's a lot of challenges to this mission, right? Sometimes we want to walk in Christ and we get so heady in our theological knowledge that we forget that we are to actually be walking in Christ and we just come to know a lot about God instead of loving God. We come to have a lot of head knowledge instead of a lot of heart response. Sometimes we fall in love with community. We fall in love with the experience we have in the church. And, 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 and in falling in love with community, we forsake mission because new people threaten that sense of community. They threaten our experience of what we love. And so we become protective of our family, our spiritual family. Instead of inviting the outsider, we get focused on the insider. Sometimes we get um, so consumed with mission that we forget that mission is rooted in our relationship with God and in deep community with other believers. And we think that it's simply me being out on the, on the forefront doing social justice and trying to meet needs as if somehow the mission of God could be divorced from the body of Christ, the community that he has built. We need all three. We need to be going deep in our relationship with God, deep in our experience of community with other believers, and powerfully into the lives of our neighbors with love and intentionality. See, the beautiful thing is, is I've told three different stories here, three different circles. It's the same exact drive, the same exact motivation, the same exact behavior. It's simply living with a gospel intentionality wherever God sends you as you are going, be my witnesses. All right, I want to wrap us up with, uh, with prayer. I'm going to post some reflection questions um, for you to think about and, and really just become responsive to the Spirit of, of God. We're going to share communion together in a moment. Um, I want to remind you that we have worship response cards on our bulletin. We would love to know you're here, especially if you're a guest, let us know. If you have prayer requests, fill those out. We pray over those every week, and we'd love to pray with you and for you. Um, and you can drop those in the response boxes at the front or, or by the door. All right, let me pray for us, uh, and then we're going to go into a time of reflection, and then we will share communion together. Father God, I thank you that, um, Lord, this mission you've entrusted to us is not simply a mission for us to accomplish, but your mission in us as we simply yield to the call to be obedient, as we simply learn what it means to be witnesses, you change us. 
you use the challenges of the mission to equip us for the mission. Which basically means as we tell people about grace, man, we get to drink more deeply of it. Lord, I pray that you would fill our vision with the beauty of the mission and not the challenge. That you would fill our vision with, with um, man, just, just how deep this cup of grace is, how wonderful this experience of love is. That we would crave any experience that would allow us to taste more deeply of your love. And in so doing, to lose sight of our self-protection, our self-glory. Lord, move us out as a people, drunk with grace, inviting others to the party. You guys take a few minutes and pray. We'll share communion in a moment.